You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? It is Monday, October 28th, 2019. This is Locked On Phillies. I'm Tim Kelly. The Phillies will introduce Joe Girardi as the 55th manager in franchise history today. I will be down there this afternoon as Girardi is introduced, and I'm sure we'll have at least a few cuts to respond to in tomorrow's show. But for today's show, I wanted to get some perspective from New York on Girardi. So I got in touch with my buddy, Ricky Ricardo. Ricky's obviously a host on WIP, the Eagles Spanish announcer. Previously had been the Philly Spanish announcer. But he has been the Yankees Spanish announcer since 2014. So obviously had quite a bit of connections with Joe Girardi. I actually learned he had an even uh, older connection with Joe Girardi in my discussion with him. Ricky is truly one of the most entertaining people in sports media and media in general. So we had a great discussion about how Joe Girardi will fare in Philadelphia. So what did you make of the hiring, just in general, having been in New York for the second half of Joe Girardi and knowing uh, how the Philadelphia market functions as well? Well, not only was I with Joe Girardi for the second half of his Yankee tenure, but I was with Girardi my first year in baseball. When I first transitioned out of music, into sports in Miami was the year Joe Girardi was manager of the year of the then Florida Marlins, a team that was taken apart by the ownership after having beaten the uh, Yankees, coincidentally, in the 2003 World Series. So that season, which I believe, and you tell me, Tim, if I'm uh, if I'm incorrect, but I believe was 2005. 2006. 2005 or, two, 2005 or 6. Which one was it, it It was 6. 2006, okay. I got there in 2005. Uh, I believe it was... I'm trying to remember who the manager was. Joe Hardy took over. And with a, a real ragtag group of, of nobodies, you know, the Dan Uglers of the world, really the only big-name he had to work with was a youngster at that time named Hanley Ramirez. Uh, but Josh Johnson, I remember, was the stud young pitcher. It was a, a group of young talent, underdeveloped, and Girardi took them to an 81 and 81 500 finish, was named manager of the year in the National League, and didn't put up with you know the owner at the time, Jeffrey Loria's uh, you know ridiculous stance and. I remember being in the ballpark the night that Joe Girardi told him to F himself, literally, from behind home plate uh, on, a, um, on a trip he took to the mound to kind of bait the umpire, to have the umpire come out so he could tell him what he wanted to tell him about some bad calls on some pitches that Girardi thought that the umpire missed. And I'll, I remember like it was yesterday, Girardi was yelled, Something was yelled at Girardi by the owner, and uh, Girardi told him to go F himself, and obviously was fired after the season, after being awarded manager of the year. So uh, I go back that far with uh, with Joe Girardi. I think it's a wonderful hire. I was pleasantly surprised that John Middleton, uh, in my opinion anyway, I'm, I'm not in the room, but I think this is a Middleton hire. Uh, 
if anything, McPhail and Clintac would have been heavy Showalter guys. McPhail and Showalter are very, very close friends. So for this hire to be made this quickly, right after the the Cubs, uh, you know, picked up David Ross, and on an off day during the World Series, I am I am pleasantly surprised that John Middleton has said, no, 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 this is my team. This is the guy I want. This is the guy we're going to hire. You know what the, the the payroll for the 2006 Marlins? I looked this up, and yeah, obviously payrolls have gone up significantly because. That's what happens over the course of 13 years. But the payroll of the 2006 Marlins was $15 million. The entire team. The Yankees had an $195 million payroll that year. Joe Girardi, and I I pointed this out that he won manager of the year, and people said, how can you have a manager of the year when you don't even have a winning record? He did that with a a team that... Had a $15 million payroll. Basically, half of what Jake Arrieta made his first season was the entirety of the team in in Miami that year. So you go from that to then the 10 years in New York. Obviously, they beat the Phillies in the 2009 World Series. He was 200 games over 500 uh, in the regular season. And his last game was not exactly like the the worst situation in the world. A lot of times you see these things after 10 or 11 years come to an end because it's just kind of time. And maybe that was the case here, but it wasn't like Andy Reid's last two years in Philadelphia. His last game was a Game 7 ALCS loss to the Astros, who eventually won the World Series. So what went into making that change there? Because it wasn't a natural situation that screamed it needed to be a change. If anything, the Yankees were ahead of schedule. Well, if you look at Yankee history, Buck Showalter was the manager when uh, Ken Griffey scored the winning run in the AL uh, Division Series. Uh, I'm trying to remember what, exactly what the year was. Jack McDowell made the, made the pitch. Showalter got fired. That was Don Mattingly's last season as a Yankee. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab and say 93, 90. I think it was 93, 94 was the strike year. Uh, and the Yankees made the change from Showalter to Joe Torre. I think this was very similar. That they needed maybe just that one different voice, and Girardi. After 10 years at the helm in New York, I think Brian Cashman was looking for a guy at the time that would be a little bit more open to the analytics than Girardi was. Now, I'm not saying Girardi is not open to the analytics as we speak right now, but he is much less of the automatic, just put the lineup on my desk and that's what the lineup will be type of manager. And I I really do think that's what Gabe Kapler ended up being was just an extension of the analytics department, some 22-year-old kid, you know, behind a computer screen telling Matt Klintak, well, this is, you know, by the numbers, this is what we're supposed to do today. Uh, Girardi is not that kind of guy, although he is, you know, much more open to analyzing the numbers as we move forward. I just think after 10 years, even though they came very, very close, there was a couple of incidents in the clubhouse, too, um, that last season of the Yankees where, uh, maybe CC Sabathia's kid wasn't allowed to stay in. There was a couple of things that happened during the season that, that kind of maybe turned sour on Girardi, but it had nothing to do with his man- 
managerial style with the with the way he runs a game and the way he handles a bullpen. And this is a guy that learned a lot from his first tenure in Miami. You could tell he learned from his mistakes during his tenure as a Yankee. And I guarantee you that that will continue from his tenure as a Yankee. He will learn from the mistakes he made during those 10 years and will have those mistakes corrected as manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. We're probably getting the best possible Joe Girardi at this point in his career. Now, I've done several events with Joe Girardi away from the stadium. I've, I've been the MC for several corporate speaking events featuring Joe Girardi that, that are run by uh, WFAN and Intercom Radio in New York. I've had the pleasure of introducing him to corporate structures and private uh, corporate-only events, I believe about three or four different occasions off the top of my head. This guy is precise. He is intelligent. He is surprisingly funny when, you know, you would think that he's a very serious guy, but he has a sense of humor. He's very inspirational when he speaks. He's much deeper than the guy that you see in the dugout. I I see a a maturing human being, a maturing father whose son is a young, very talented baseball player. Uh, Daughters are, uh, you know, uh, involved in soccer and gymnastics. So he is a today father a today manager, and a guy smart enough to not be stubborn and to learn from the mistakes along the way. I really do think the Phillies are getting a polished version of Joe Girardi, possibly the the, the, the most advanced, if that's the term you want to use, best version of this man that we've ever seen. So, and you mentioned this, and it's something that I've talked about over the last month or so between... Fox's coverage of the ALCS or ALDS. He does work for Radio.com. He's on with Mike Francesa. Like you go down the list, he's on MLB Network. He was good as an analyst at, on the radio, but he was someone you could tell, especially these last few weeks when he could sense it getting close that he was pining to get back in there. Some people, like Bill Cower, get the TV job, and they never want to go through the grind again. And you could tell in these last few weeks that Joe Girardi really wanted to do that. But does that background in media, because Gabe Kapler had a background in media too, uh, albeit a different one, does the background in media for Joe Girardi translate to him being able to manage perception and control narratives in this market? Because... In my estimation, and this goes deeper than just Gabe Kapler, that's been the Phillies' biggest problem over the last two seasons is controlling narratives. Absolutely. Number one, you just mentioned, Girardi has been not only on the MLB side analyzing everything from players to managers, you know, to game strategy, every facet of the game, but... He's also been a Fox analyst, game analyst, where he's basically been managing from the booth. And I, and from the games that I was able to, to listen to and watch, I thought he did an absolutely brilliant job of analyzing the game, breaking it down for the fan to understand, you know, his, his look on the, and his take on what the managers were doing, what the players were doing right, and what the players were doing wrong. You mentioned that Kapler also came from a media background. But Kapler came from a, 
a sofa. It was a talk show on a sofa on Fox where you had one guy representing each sport, and they were all trying to out, you know, slick each other. And it was more of a, for those that are old enough to remember, it was more, it was like the view or the Virginia Graham show of sports. You know, it, it was five ex-athletes. I think Donovan McNabb was part of that thing, too. You know, it was all guys just trying to, you know, see who could look at um, at uh, Melissa, who was the, the beautiful hostess. You know, who gave her the eye better, in my opinion. Uh, so you, I don't think you can compare the capital run in media with what Girardi was doing in media. I think it's night and day much more serious what Girardi was doing and I think Girardi is a Northeast guy. He understands the markets between Boston, New York, Philadelphia, not from Washington. You're always, it's a big market, but it's basically the South. You're right on the cusp of Virginia. But Girardi understands the Northeast, understands, you know, look, if he survived and was well loved by the New York you know, writers and the New York beat guys and the media guys, I think the Philadelphia guys will understand him, too. He will get a feel of them in spring training. I'll be there. God willing, I'll be covering, you know, spring training once again for uh, for KYW News Radio, WIP. And I can guarantee you he's not going to be taken aback. He will know how to manipulate, not manipulate, but handle the media. When he needs to be a little bit stern, he can be stern. When he needs to soften up a little bit, he'll soften up a little bit. But I'll tell you what. You won't have the issue of his communication with a particular morning show uh, and not being able to relate. The fans will be able to relate with what he says to the writers, to the radio shows. And when a player needs to be scolded, he may not do it out in the open, but you will know that something went down, whether a guy has sat down for a day or two, whether a guy's moved up or down in the lineup. He will find a way to get his message across to a player that maybe hasn't done everything that he is supposed to be uh, doing or, or, or has not done what it, what's expected of him. Girardi will get his message across and will let the public know that that message has gotten across, whether it's the effing Dallas Greenway, and I still that still tears me up. Uh, that came out of Kapler, that, that effing Dallas Green comment. It might be the – Girardi might not come across as an effing Dallas Green either, but he'll be much, much closer to law and order and bringing some uh, some discipline back into that clubhouse. The great Ricky Ricardo. Ricky, uh, there are a million stories I could probably tell you about what's happened since we last did a show, including the night that I was at Yankee Stadium with you, but that's probably a, a story better told off air. Thank you for coming out. <laughs>